Texas Triangle NBA podcast. It's uh, John here with Eric. As always, uh, no David this time. He's got his big boy job making big boy money and he doesn't have time for us. So. <laughs> exactly what it is. We, we know, David. We know. You can just say it. you're done with us. You're too important, Mr. John Deere. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Love you, buddy. We'll see you soon. <laughs> But yeah, here we're here to talk. Um, I don't know what else to talk about this season, except uh, what else can we do to improve these teams or make fun trades or anything to keep us alive during this desert of a tank year. Or if you're a Mavs fan, just utterly kind of joyless 500 mediocre season like so far. Like It's clear all three of these teams could use a refresh, and that's kind of the, the theme today. Which fan base do you think is the saddest right now? It's got to be Mavs, right? I would think so, because they had expectations. Yeah. Us Spurs and Rockets guys are just kind of like riding the wave, knowing how this goes. But I mean, the, the Primo stuff definitely took the wind out of my sails for this season. Fair. Definitely has me pretty disengaged, but... That's so fair. The Mavs, it's just, you're kind of stuck in the middle, man. Yes, and they're so, we were talking about it beforehand, there's just so few avenues for immediate improvement or even immediate placement towards improvement. Like, there's just nothing this year that I see a whole lot of options. I just don't see anything for them. I don't know. That worries me because especially if you've watched any of the games recently, Luka Doncic looks really pissed off and irritated and not happy to be there and not especially not happy to carry the entire load the way he's had to. It's, uh, I don't know, man, a little worrisome over there in Dallas. It's so tough because, I mean, they're so tied up with negative value contracts and still the, the, the after effects of the Porzingis trade were what was it, four years ago now? Yep. And it's it's still affecting this team in terms of what they can do uh, for building a roster. So it's they're just in such a tough place. It's clear that the interpersonal component of the team is on a bit of a downslide right now. Um, I, I might as well give credit where, where credit's due. I was listening to Lowe this morning, and he was talking about um, Luca's body language. Yeah. And then I look back at some Mavs tape, and I'm like, man, this doesn't look good. And then you've got the ongoing drama with Christian Wood and Jason Kidd. and Who just seem to hate each other. I don't know what's yeah. going on there. <laughs> the dynamic is so odd. I don't know that... I feel like Kidd maybe wasn't fully consulted on that move before it happened and is just trying to be spiteful about it. Or There's just something weird and childish going on between those two. But Christian Wood, wherever he goes, weird and childish tends to follow, unfortunately. As talented as he is on the court, he's... I look at this Mavs roster, and I'm just... I They don't have a lot of guys that they can trade for value. No. Dorian Finney-Smith? I mean, that's is that changing anyone's life, though, in a trade? I, I, I don't think the return would be, and I also think you're at, like, he's a player they really need. Like yeah. So it'd be at risk of, honestly, taking a step backwards and trying to move forward with a trade. And any of the pieces that they have that would get anything back in return they kind of need. <laughs> and yeah. so they have all these other contracts that they'd love to move, but you can only trade stuff that has a value to the person you're trading it to. And and most of the stuff on the Mavs roster, I say stuff, that's so dehumanizing. Like most of the, the people on the roster are just not moving the needle for other teams or not the piece that they require to, to improve around, around the edges there either. And 
The picks situation is wild because of Porzingis trade. They don't have much they can do. If they do, it's way down the road. Uh, it's just the best move seems to be this year to not do anything. However, you've got this giant weight above the whole team that Luka Doncic doesn't seem to be patient or willing to have that as an option. So you need to do something. Your star is pissed off. You don't really have anything you can do something with. What the fuck do they do? They just royally fumbled the bag, man. Like, they somehow lucked in the Luka because of the incompetence of some teams ahead of them in the draft. And <laughs> You know, we, we talked about this. They, they rushed the rebuild. Yeah. They, they said, let's go get Porzingis. And... Which, at the time, <sighs> I could... Is it, it wasn't like an end-of-the-world bad decision. When they traded for Porzingis, a lot of people were like, yo, this is good move. I like this. And it, it wasn't a bad trade per se at the time, but the way it turned out, it has now become a horrendous trade for the future of this team, especially in the Luka Doncic era. I, I don't know, man. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but they mortgaged their future for a guy who was coming off of a bad at her injury who has you know a, a frame that hasn't held up much in the nba historically it's not for more than a week or two at a yeah. time like to start this season everybody oh he's back he's back he looks awesome look at him defending and now he's hurt again and it's like damn it damn it kp like you we can't keep calm much longer <laughs> but, yeah i i just the mavs are in such an odd spot and the only right move was keeping Brunson because you could afford to with the bird rights workaround. And they just didn't. And, and it's, it's over. This season's over now. Like I hate to be doom and gloom and super dramatic a quarter of the way into the year, but there isn't shit this roster can accomplish that it's not already doing. And it's just okay. So like, there's something needs to be done Maybe they could sneak a third team in somewhere somehow, but there's just nothing that they have that is going to get back what they need. And they don't have a whole lot of cap relief this summer coming. And it's just, they're, they're, it's going to take some wild maneuvering, and I will be incredibly impressed with the Mavericks front office if they're able to pivot from this to some type of potential workability moving forward, something that'll keep Luca happy and, and on board and, and completely focused. I guess maybe the hope is you take what few positive assets you have left remaining and you package those to unload some of the bad contracts on this team and then you see what you can do with some cap space. But, I mean, how has that worked out for Dallas historically? Yeah. It's not a place people really line up to go. Um, you've already got the uh, that just that I, I say this every fucking time we talk to Alice, but the parallels with the Harden Rockets is just nuts. Like you've already got the chatter behind the scenes of does anybody want to go play in this system with this guy who's going to be complete the sun, the moon, and the stars of the entire thing, and you have to basically be second or third banana, even if you're a star player playing there, you have to be willing to humble yourself and acknowledge that everything's going to revolve around him and you're Robin always. It, it's just, it's, it takes a special kind of player at a special point in their career to do that even. And everybody will acknowledge Luca needs a one a or a co-star or another ball handler, another creator, 
But Luca has to want that. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, far be it for me to play devil's advocate for the Mavs, but I do think the heliocentrism we see with the Mavs is even more necessitated here than it was with Harden. Mm-hmm. Just because of the dearth of talent around Luca. I mean, Harden always had something with him. Even if it was just, you know, Eric Gordon. I mean, he always had a Chris Paul, Dwight Howard. A legitimate co-star, generally. Other than, with the exception of a couple of years. Costas Papa Nicolau. Yeah. He had yeah. not his Monty Eunice, you know, all kinds of... And his sweat. <laughs> and his sweat, yeah. What did he say at that awesome presser? Is we already getting off the rails, but... If you're, when they asked him about his, if he was afraid coming to the NBA, and he, he said some shit like, if you're afraid of the wolves, don't go in the forests or something. And I was just like, oh my god, this guy's awesome. <laughs> oh, Demo. Shit, the Mavs could use a Demo right now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I feel like a lot of NBA teams could use a Demo, and he was unfairly... I, that man should seriously pursue legal action on his agent, because, yeah, what happened with the end of Demo's NBA stint is fascinating man i think he came around like five years too early you're right yeah you're absolutely right for everybody except daryl morey (laughs) (laughs) but just to get back circle back to the mavs like i don't want to beat the dead horse or or kick them while they're down but team could just really use jalen brunson right now and they don't have it i think the hope was tim hardaway jr would come in and and be able to fill that void a little more than he has and he's been fantastic i don't want to shit on tim he started rough but he's been very good in dinwiddie too too, but i don't think that the sum of those two is still quite enough to match the void left by brunson and on top of that if you kept Brunson, you would still have those two. So, like, there's just a mm. big void missing from this team now. And However, one more, one more thing. I, I kind of wonder if the Mavericks should be entitled to some sort of compensation from the Knicks just for that egregious tampering. Fair, that's a fair question. Mm. Like, I, I, normally I'd be kind of like, oh, come on, that's how it always goes down. But this was like, I mean, half a fucking season. The Knicks were basically broadcasting yeah. that this is going to happen. They're hiring people that are his friends and family. Like, give us one so, of those picks back. Yes, yeah. yeah I I'm, I'm, would be totally fine with that. And, you know, us, there's... The, the one of us who's sympathetic to the Mavs isn't here right now. And so for us to say that, you know, I think the Mavs really did get kind of the scroogey as far as the Knicks and their tampering went that time with Brunson. Brunson, if you will. Yeah, they got fucked, man. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and they are just, oof. They're dealing with it now, man. They are dealing with it now. Um, the other question I have on the Mavs before to kind of go off, off pattern here or off of our format that we set out, but... Is kid done already? I, I did, uh, the writing seems to be on the wall for me that Doncic is pretty done with this as it is, and that's how it always goes: is you, you let the the coach fall on the sword first, and it just seems like it's a really short run. And last year, I thought he showed that he was kind of worth giving a shot to. Yeah, and I mean the common denominator here is is Luca. Yep. You know, he wasn't happy with a Hall of Fame level coach and Rick Carlisle, who's doing a pretty good job in Indiana. Fantastic job. God damn, they're uh, the media darlings. If I hear one more national media guy get onto a podcast and talk about how excited they are to talk about the Indiana Pacers, and oh, <laughs> just like, God. Yeah, and I feel like kids squeezed a lot of juice out of that lemon last year. Yes. And, you know, this year, what more can you do? No, nah, not much. When you've got 
a player that's as important to the team as Christian Wood investing as little as he does in the defensive end of the floor, which is where you have to hang your hat to earn minutes in a Jason Kidd system. Yeah. I just don't like that's that whole thing is such a two way. You're both fucking wrong argument that's going on behind the scenes between them two. Um, but I just feel like, man, their one big acquisition that was there to fill the void is doing great on offense. He looks like he's really could help and him and Luca together gel really nicely, but he's kind of a baby and the coaches don't want to play him because he's just a black hole on defense. It doesn't fucking matter how much he contributes on offense. He gives it all back. He gives yeah. it all back. Cause the bigs don't even have to try to score on him. Um, I don't know, man. Mavs are just in a tough spot. I think Jason Kidd will probably bear the brunt and that they will probably move on from him after this season if it keeps going this way. And it could totally turn around. It usually does with Luka teams. Um, your floor is, as was with the Harden teams, your floor is 45-50 wins usually with, with a player of that caliber. But, man, I just I see the low ceiling, the conference finals level ceiling at best on a, on a right break with luck conference finals level ceiling and it's just it, it pains me to see you Mavs fans now setting yourselves up for the same unrealistic expectations that we so had in Houston for so long uh, I don't know I feel for you guys if, if you need to talk to someone who's been through it just <laughs> you know where to find me <laughs> yeah yeah Ugh, man <laughs> it's tough it is. it's tough there's there's no reason that Dallas should be the most depressing team in Texas right now uh-uh and I, I think it, it, it kind of feels like the writing is on the wall with this team, man. Like, how much longer do we have to go before we start hearing the murmurs about Luka Doncic might one out? He has his eyes on New York or L.A. or whatever it is. Yep. Though I wonder what... He seems like the kind of guy to pick a random-ass team. That he's, he's like, you know, I, I want Milwaukee. To yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry... Mavs fans, it's been a lot of doom and gloom really since we started this podcast, but I just think there are a lot of long-term issues that people are putting blinders on with the whole, we have Luca, who cares? And that can only work for so long. At a certain point, it comes to a head when you haven't built the right team around that player. And and we saw it in Houston, and it's going to happen in Dallas if, if they're not careful and that... Chris Stapp's Porzingis trade really mortgaged the future for a long time, and it's going to be up to them to instill some level of patience in Luca and understanding that we are we see what you see too, and we're frustrated too. But it's a time thing. We're going to need to be wait until this time to make anything happen about it. It's not the player's job to be understanding about that. It's the player's job to go out there and play and win. And and it's going to, I mean, that's a tough sell. That's going to be a really tough sell having to tell a guy wait. This I'm, is this is why you don't rush a rebuild. Yes, I think that's a really valuable lesson for Houston and San Antonio. Absolutely. Um, Even when you have someone Luca's caliber, you can't rush the rest of it. Yeah, no. yeah absolutely. And and neither San well San Antonio especially not at this point. But Houston has a lot of guys that they see as the budding future stars or whatever. And I think it's important to keep that in mind as well. Like none of these guys are anywhere, even in the same gym as Luca. No preferential treatment. No, like, you can't cater things all the way to them. You can't rush it and assume you've got that guy and, and you can just plug around him now. Like, there's, I don't know. You're, you're right. This is a cautionary tale. Who's even the second best player in Texas right now? Wow. 
Good freaking question, man. It's not a Mav. Probably not. I feel like the Mavs have the most cohesive, like, actual basketball players still. Who are the candidates? You gotta let's see. Luca's far and away. Luca's the only good one right now. Uh, I mean, I would still honestly probably say Eric Gordon is a better basketball player, quote unquote, than anybody else on the Rockets right now. Uh, I mean, it's not to say any, not to take away any potential growth or anything, but as far as just overall Impact quality of base, yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Gordon, <laughs> Pirtle, Pirtle's probably two for me. I would probably say Jakob Pirtle is my second best player in 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 Texas basketball right now. I, I think maybe Vassell, maybe Vassell's in there. Vassell's up there somewhere. Uh, is this depressing? Tari Eason. Tari Eason <laughs> is the second best basketball player in Texas right now. Oh, man. <laughs> God damn, that's a depressing conversation. We should do a whole episode on that. We're just <laughs> mapping out all these. No, no, what about this guy? Boban. <laughs> man. Man. What a fucking hilarious concept. Picking the best basketball players in Texas, not named Luka Doncic. God, that's good. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> um, I'd rather I'd rather have this conversation again in like three years. Yes, there we go. It won't be quite as depressing. Yeah, yeah. It won't be like, well, maybe this nineteen-year-old is gonna be good. I swear. Yeah. Oh God. Well, this is the state of Texas basketball right now, ladies and gentlemen. Drink your Lone Stars and drink them a plenty. <laughs> The Texas Triangle does not endorse trophy hunting. No, we don't. You're right. Thank you for clarifying. Lone Star sure seems to. Bastards. It's good beer, though, and it's cheap. It is cheap. <laughs> it is cheap. All right, anything else on the Mavs? Uh, no. Good luck, guys. I hope y'all find a way to, to finagle this, but, man, I don't, I don't see a real obvious one. And I do not. Fuck you. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Well, let's move on down to San Antonio then, shall we? Down the old I-35. Yeah. The future Austin Spurs. Oof. Gonna ruffle some feathers with that one. Ah, man, I've been waiting. But honestly, <clears throat> I don't know. It's gonna be some weird conglomerate city before too much longer anyways. All yeah, what does it matter? What does it matter? Exactly, yeah. All right, so who are the candidates to get traded in San Antonio this year? Pirtle's the most obvious for me, I think he's gone for sure. Just because yeah. he's extremely valuable and good. Um, Josh Richardson. Jay Rich, big time. Good choice. Dougie McBuckets, Doug McMuffin, whatever we want to call him. Yeah, so those are the those are the three guys that are surefire candidates to get moved. Yep. I have some other guys I, I have questions about. I've got to build up a little confidence in this segment before I get to them. <laughs> um, I think I know who you're going with. So... Let's start with what is a reasonable return for Jakob Pertl? Um, So if I'm, let's say you're the Golden State Warriors, and you're calling about Jakob Pertl, and I say, give me back Wiseman and Kuminga. Are you hanging up a phone? Is it a conversation? Do you want something else back from the Spurs? I think it would be only right for the Warriors to be like to scoff a little bit even if they don't necessarily mean it yeah. uh, clutch their pearls like, well, no way we could do that without you throwing in some draft compensation as well da, 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 that type of thing but I don't think that's a I think you could volley back from that offer for sure I think there was definitely a that could get some traction and get some conversations going for sure 
I mean, in terms of the players that Wiseman and Kaminga actually are right now, I think that's... In terms of the on-the-court product, Golden State will be getting all the value there. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think Golden State... The, we'll get to this more in depth, I imagine, later in the segment, but the injury thing kind of clouds their whole situation now. I don't know really how desperate they are to make win-now moves, like getting Yaka Pirtle. Mm-hmm. But... It's not like Steph's gone for the whole year. Like Steph's gone for a few weeks. He maybe misses twenty games. Like Golden State's got enough on the roster and coaching staff to make do for twenty games, hopefully. Yeah, I think but, if I'm the Warriors, I'm revisiting everything at the deadline. Yes. When but, I have a better view of how the season's gonna go. Yes. When, or at very least mm-hmm. when Steph gets back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even if that's not all the way at the deadline. Um, um but that being said, back to just the original offer, like no, I don't think that's unreasonable ask at all for the Spurs, and I th- I don't think it'd be a bad return either for Pirtle. I know a lot of people are ho- hanging on to the hope of uh, two first round picks or that kind of thing, and that's going to be tough to swing. I, I think. think so too. Yeah. yeah, especially because general fan perception outside of San Antonio or Texas in general, uh, uh, or like the actual league circles, Jakob Pertl is not a sexy name. He doesn't really move the needle. If you're giving up two firsts for a rim protecting center who doesn't, who in most people's eyes is one dimensional, doesn't contribute on offense, et cetera, et cetera, which is bullshit. If you actually watch Jakob Pertl, he's phenomenal on both ends of the floor. Absolutely worth two first round picks, uh, especially middle middling ones. And something working against the Spurs right now is Jakob Pertl's rim protection numbers are down. His overall impact stats are down. True. And I don't know if that has to do with his injuries, if the changes on the roster around him have impacted him to that extent. I wonder if DeJounte, as overhyped as his defense is, was a good funnel system for Yak too. You know what I mean? Like I feel like maybe having at least one guard on the perimeter that is at least kind of known for defensive effort. <laughs> <laughs> it probably helped a little bit as far as the funneling guys into the lane to, towards Yak yeah. to defend, but yeah, this this whole the whole Spurs team has been befuddling at best defensively because there yes. are guys on this roster who at least present as positive defensive players. Yaka Pertle, yep. Jeremy Sohan, Devin Vassell has been terrible defensively, and his biggest selling point coming into the NBA was he's going to be a three and D guy. Yeah, em- emphasis on the D oh. defense. Um, (laughs) and that that hasn't really been the case and I think that can change I I don't know I haven't really dug too deeply into the schematics of what's happening with the Spurs defensively but it ain't pretty it ain't but also I think that and you know me I'm always in this this camp I try to look at things from a psychology standpoint I guess and and I just think the situation the Spurs are in right now doesn't inspire a whole lot of defensive effort from people in general. And, and I think that a lot of times the, the, like the Rockets and the Spurs are going to look pathetic on defense, especially by the advanced metrics now as the team is just shitty. And, and I think that as a team gets better and has a better chance of pulling off wins regularly, guys lock in and tend to focus a little bit more on that end too. Yeah. And with the Spurs, you have guys in new roles. Big time. Um, and it's hard to make that adjustment. Like, Devin Vassell's never been a go-to guy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to hold all those things in tension. Kelton Johnson has always been a bad defensive player. Very true. Um, Sometimes exceptionally bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still, I don't know if I want to get into Kelton yet, but... Uh, yeah, if, if, if Golden State doesn't work out, um, someone's going to be interested in Yacht. 
Definitely. Uh, the Bulls, maybe. Um, Assuming they double down on mediocrity, as they are so yeah. want to do. But would you guys want Vooch back? I feel like anything involving a center would be Vooch no. in return. The only piece I'm really interested in Chicago would be Patrick Williams. Mm. Um, I do wonder if maybe they feel like um, if Lonzo Balls is going to be dead money for the next couple of years, if they could treat him like a like a like a money dump, yeah, and then attach Patrick Williams and then get a good player back in return. I, I don't know. It's um, it's a tricky situation. People get paid a lot more money than I will ever make in my life to make those sorts of decisions. So. Very true. And then. God, just a random aside, that Lonzo situation is just depressing as fuck, right? Like It is, man. He was the linchpin that was making that Bulls team really cool and fun and mm-hmm. entertaining. And Him now and they're just, yeah. Yes, and now they're just slop. They're just one side of the floor, crappy isolation, mid-range slop. And it's just oh, like... It sounds man. familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DeMar, sounds like DeMar DeRozan team to me. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what the Bulls do. They're going to go crazy, I feel, at the deadline. In, in one way or another, either blowing it all up or completely doubling down on Zach Levine and making a horrible long-term mistake. But yeah. I, as far as Jakob Pertl goes, I think every team in the league could use a Jakob Pertl. It's just going to be a matter of finding the team that generates the, the right offer at the right time for the, where the Spurs are in this mm-hmm. rebuild. And that's going to be tricky to find, but I don't think it'll go unfound. Uh-huh pretty sure he'll get moved pretty quickly yeah i think the guy for this team that's going to be easier to move is jay rich because you can plug josh richardson into literally any team in the nba yes and he will have a role and he'll be able to make a difference because he plays defense and he can shoot yep and he plays a position of need two three even maybe a little four um everybody needs a josh richardson yeah one trade scenario i was kind of looking at for him is maybe maybe the spurs call miami and say we'll take back Duncan Robinson's terrible contract. You attach a pick, you can have Josh Richardson back. Yep. Um, I think that's a fair deal for both sides. I would say so, too. Um, I, maybe Heat fans scoff at attaching that first rounder to a player they already had. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't personally. No. I think that at this point, getting off of Duncan Robinson's contract is a must-do. Um, if you're not going to go crazy... And just blow the whole thing up and trade Butler at the deadline, but I, I don't think the Heat are in that camp. I think Pat Riley will, will excuse me, it will go down with this ship. Um, also, having a guy named Duncan Robinson on the Spurs would be something. <laughs> didn't even put that together. You're absolutely right, man. Both of his names are already hanging in the Raptors. Yeah, he'd just come in and there'd be some gold energy beams that would just fire down from on high and all of a sudden Duncan Robinson would just be the, the next Spurs great. No, uh, that's, I think, a pretty savvy trade. I would really think both teams would be interested in, in making that happen for sure. And then you could still flip Yach for another first somewhere else and, and really stack up some, some future asset collection, which is, I think, a good move for the Spurs at this current state in their rebuild anyways. I do think, however, we have a lot of teams in the NBA who might be in wait-and-see mode, at least until we get closer to the deadline. Um, you know, Miami, Golden State. Golden State wants to see what the team looks like with stuff out. Yep. And if the season's lost, and Miami probably wants to see if they can get back to some semblance of competitiveness. Yep. In the playoff picture, so. Big time. Yeah, it might. It, 
it might be a while before we see any trades. You're right. Absolutely right. And I think that's honestly in everybody's best interest. Um, the Lakers as well. They're starting out They're They're having all these weird little hot and cold spurts. They probably want to see what the hell they actually are before they start debating protections on these 27 and 29 picks. Um, Mavs again, back to them, probably wait and see Toronto is kind of middling right now. They'll probably be a heavy, heavy trade trade candidate either buying or selling by the time things get moving and the thing is the spurs and the rockets more so the rockets they don't need to make deals no there's i mean you have yaga purtle on an expiring you have josh richardson on an expiring you don't want to lose those guys for nothing but you don't have to take a bad deal no just to make a deal yeah Yeah. exactly Uh oh we got an angry cat um but the Max yeah, said yes, they do. Yeah, yes, Max <laughs> is incredibly upset. He needs Jakob Pertl to go to a contender immediately. You have to get value for him. What are you doing? Yes, you can't lose him for nothing. Like, well, when we got a bunch of fucking cap space, we kind of can. Honestly, we're not the Mavs. We're we're gonna lose this guy for nothing and not have any cap space to re-sign anybody else to replace him. I mean, the Spurs him. have always so. done great things with their cap space, yeah. like signing a geriatric Pal Gasol. Hey, Powell was good on the Spurs, man. Powell was fun on the Spurs. Rudy Gay off of an Achilles injury. Rudy Gay was awesome on the Spurs, too, I thought. Marco Bellinelli 2.0. Bellinelli, again, was bad. Uh, I guess LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge was, at the time, the most coveted free agent in the entire NBA. So that was a huge coup for San Antonio. I remember at the time being so surprised because it wasn't a free agent destination. But Um, it was... That was... That was 2015, so at that time it was peak Spurs, man. Yep. You're a year removed from the beautiful game championship. Yep. You have the allure of Texas because LaMarcus Aldridge, he's from Dallas, but, yep. you know, he's, he's not going to play for the Mavs. No, yeah, and he's yeah. still mostly Texas, I guess. I don't know. It's southern Oklahoma to a yeah. lot of us here, but yeah. he went to UT in Austin, which is Texas, weirdly, that we'd consider the the hippie liberal center of, of Texas as part of it, but not Dallas. But Well, he went to UT in 2006. Yes. So Austin was still Texas then. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> Before it became Bay Area too. It was uh, like weird Bay Area slash Midwest. Yeah. City. I don't know, man. I don't know what Austin is. I drive by the weird. skyline every day and I'm like, what city do I live in, dude? I this is know. not the Austin <sighs> that I grew up next to, so... Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, when I was a kid, the biggest thing we had on the skyline was that little brown building with the blue, the neon blue lights on the little steps. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh wow, the blue light step building. Now it looks like fucking Dubai downtown or some (laughs) shit when you drive past it. It's like, wow, this is nuts. But by the end of next year, they will have the three tallest buildings in Texas downtown. So nuts. After they finish that rainy street building, yeah. Tillman Fertitta doesn't own a single one. What the fuck are you doing, Tillman? Come on, He owns all of San Antonio. Yeah, you got San Antonio on lock. You got Houston. What are you you doing, man? Come to Austin. It's probably a politics thing, let's be honest. We won't get into that, but yeah. You know who does have a lot of real estate in Austin? (laughs) One Michael Dell. Yes, he does. And you know who also owns 30% of the Spurs? One Michael Dell. Yeah, so. Well, the new Braunfels Spurs. Here we come. (laughs) Maybe San Marcos. I'm trying to think of where they. It's gonna be something. The Kyle Spurs. It'll be in Kyle or Buda, but they'll be called San Antonio still. But it's closer to Austin. It's gonna be a weird thing, but I bet you it happens. They renovate Cabela's (laughs) into the new Spurs. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, that's perfect, dude. <laughs> you gotta walk through that like the trophy room with all the stuffed animals. Like you should get they keep the, the fish tank. office. Yeah, you gotta keep, yeah, the, gotta keep the fish tank in the front. <laughs> Tim Duncan, you get to see him spear fishing. Yes. When you come in the arena. <laughs> I don't, Tim Duncan, from what I understand, is quite the gun collector, so he might be down with that. I believe that. I could see Tim Duncan as a guy who still, just to keep himself interested, like forages and hunts for his meals. You know, <laughs> I feel like Tim Duncan doesn't ever go shopping. He just goes out on his land and finds something to eat that night. I, I would totally not be at all surprised by Tim Duncan being a hunter-gatherer. The only thing that has ever soured me on Tim Duncan was him donating a million dollars to Bloomberg's campaign. I remember that. And I get that he did help out the Virgin Islands. Yes. After they were devastated by a hurricane, but I was like, come on, man. You could have just given me a million dollars. A million, yeah. Not like, I mean, give his camp, what is it, $2,300 or whatever the max. Yeah. So do that. You know, that's a symbolic gesture. A mill, that's a, that's a lot. But oh, we love you, Timmy. And honestly showed up to that game looking pretty cool like that was that was a nice fit cool hair like mm -hmm. tim duncan looking that fashionable kind of blew my mind i gotta be honest yeah <laughs> it's a new timmy it's a new timmy he's got new interests um well anything else we want to get on the spurs i feel like we've hit stuff pretty well it's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be waiting a while i think yaka purtle is going to be a spirit till damn near the deadline oh yeah but now I'm just wondering if there's enough parking around Cabela's to <laughs> host all the Spurs fans that are going to be coming in. <laughs> that Arby's behind the Cabela's right yeah. there. Dude, is there's it, a Cracker Barrel. That is a top-notch Arby's, let that's, me tell you. That's a whole evening for the family, man. Go get some biscuits, <laughs> right. some gravy, some There's dumplings. a dance hall over there now, yeah. too, and everything. Man, okay. Yeah. Shout out the Buda Arby's. <laughs> Shout out Buda in general, man. <laughs> Anyways, oh, all right, you want to do Houston now? Yeah, let's hit the Rockets up, man. Sounds good. All right, so uh, Dallas, man. Uh, no, Houston. I'm sorry. So Houston, right. compared to Dallas, you guys are farting through silk. I mean, um, <laughs> got that nice package from Brooklyn. Got some promising young guys. Yep. None of them play, but they, we got them, you know. <laughs> Traffic is supposed to get better at some point. Allegedly. We'll see. I haven't been in a year or so, though. Honestly, I don't. I couldn't even tell you about the Houston traffic situation right now. Other than it's probably bad, and you will get pulled over for driving under the speed limit. So respect <laughs> for Houston for that. That's cool. Get a text tag <laughs> yes. if you're going to Houston. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> or whatever that purple one is called. There, they've got another one. Oh yeah. yeah. You just you want to get in the HOV lane if you're going to be stuck in traffic. You want to be stuck in traffic in that lane so you can't get out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I don't know, as far as people, we all want to see the same people go as far as Houston fans. Like, you know, Eric Gordon, I, I personally would be ecstatic if we kept Eric Gordon for the, the, just the remainder of his career and made him a coach immediately after that, too. But I'm completely unreasonable in my love for Eric Gordon. So I get it. It's right for him to move on. It's right for them to move on. He'll be gone somewhere this year for sure. For sure. And and it, I don't think it'll be for the first round pick that everybody is clamoring for that we've been holding out for. I'm pretty sure it'll be some shit deal with a middling player in a second or something. But So did if, Stone wait too long to move him? Yes, I think so. Damn. But also, I get it. Like you the the man is a legend in the town or in the city with the team. 
with with Raph Stone, with the whole coaching staff, he's been there forever. They're gonna overvalue him in their own minds. I yeah. feel like, and and I get that, but it's I mean, just, everybody's guilty of that. Though we all overvalue our own guys to an yes. extent. So. Uh, so as far as Eric Gordon goes, I think eventually. I think that Phoenix has just been flirting a little too hard for that to not happen. Uh, the Chris Paul connections there, uh, the allure of getting to play with Chris without James being there, I think would be attractive to Eric Gordon as well. Um, My question is, what does Maury, what extent does he go to to get the final 2019 Rockets Infinity Stone? In his oh, good question. I don't know. I don't think he does much, honestly. I feel like Maury and Eric Gordon, I think that ship has sailed. I think he really wanted P.J. Tucker, and he really wanted James, obviously. But I still see I still see Eric Gordon ending up probably a Laker or a Sun. Those are my two big picks. Hmm. But I, don't, I just don't know, man. I don't know where he... He fits just pretty much anywhere. He's a fantastic player, great defender, good shooter... Uh, especially when he's engaged. Yeah, I like I like Denver as a fit for him. Denver would be phenomenally good. And uh, he was Golden trying State. out. He was trying out when we played yeah. the Nuggets the other night, too. You could tell. Golden State's a good one, but yeah. if I'm the Rockets front office, I'm not dealing with Golden State. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another one for Eric Gordon I see that would really make a lot of sense for both parties, but I don't think has the, the juice to make happen is the Bucks. I think Milwaukee would be a fantastic fit for Eric Gordon. Especially but, with Middleton yes. struggling the way he is. That makes sense. Um, but the they don't have much draft capital. I mean, in fact, Houston took some of it for uh, P.J. Tucker. So I, I just think, I don't know that that one happens, but I think it would make a lot of sense. What about Miami for the same deal that I proposed for Josh Richardson? Duncan Robinson in the first? Yeah. I'd take that, yeah. honestly. I think Duncan Robinson being a rocket would be infuriating uh i think this coaching staff would give him heavy minutes uh and it'd be frustrating as all hell we'd have to see duncan robinson constantly but again that'd be a nice reassuring of the tank status for sure i think having Um, shooters is really valuable to a rebuild i think it is too just in terms of making space because we often talk about making space for the young guys um Especially a guy like Jalen Green. I mean, the defense is going to be albatross regardless, so why not make a little room for him? No, I'm I'm with that. And I I think Shingun, assuming they do decide to make Shingun a bit more of an offensive hub at some point, uh, it seems like the writing's on the wall there that they should. But I I think Shingun with with another shooter who's cagey off the ball the way Duncan Robinson is, that would be really nice too. I think they could get a nice rapport going. Yeah. Um, no, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Um, the the Warriors, I think it'd probably be... Uh, Any interest in Wiseman? I, I was just going to say Wiseman for some rim protection would be nice. Um, I don't know Theoretically. That, theoretically. Yeah, I don't know that that actually fits or works, the way that this roster is constructed, the way that the minutes crunch is going. They're playing three centers as it is with Bruno and, and Shingun and Garuba. Who do you think it would be more valuable to allocate those minutes to, Garuba or Wiseman? Garuba. <coughs> so you're that low on Wiseman. I think I'm higher on Garuba than most. Okay. And I think Garuba, the potential is there for a guy with range who can defend like a Capella or somebody that that good. I think it's, it's there. It's there with Garuba. He just needs more opportunity and a little bit more of a cohesive scheme. Okay. Um. 
But Wiseman, man, I would rather have him getting minutes than Bruno or somebody. As much as Bruno has been good, like yeah. Bruno Fernando has been fantastic. But I think a project like Wiseman, who's seen as a bit more of a future piece, a little bit higher upside, I think that would be nice. Still, still a protector, still a lob threat. Uh, I just don't see a whole lot of opportunity popping up for him with, with the way the staff is. And I don't want to like make hypothetical trades based on what the coaching staff is doing incorrectly. But if this is our coaching staff and this is what they're going to do, planning accordingly seems to make sense still. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm almost wondering if with the Rockets, it should be as little as they need more first round picks and young guys coming in it should honestly be clearing out space at the trade deadline as opposed to bringing new guys in who are going to take minutes. And yeah. I think Garrett Gordon, Gary, Gary Bird, Garrison Matthews, um, I think a lot of people would love to trade Tate. I think Jay Sean Tate is very, very valuable and useful and, and should be kept probably with this team. I don't think he's too old to, to, to hang around in a rebuild. I think, you know, the same as with the Spurs, the objectives are acquiring some more picks and making space yep it's that simple yeah freeing up space for yeah. these young guys to actually play uh I maybe don't, take a flyer yeah maybe take a flyer on someone which yeah. i guess was where yeah. kuminga would come in mm. um or wiseman but it's just uh i think opening things up for a couple seconds or a first here and there uh would be the right moves uh i am absolutely a thousand percent opposed to kj martin trades uh i think a lot of there's been a lot of buzz there, and a lot of teams are calling and asking about him. But even I with the on-off numbers, I, even with the on-off numbers not being as as spectacular as the eye test would imply, I just see a totally new ball player in KJ Martin this year, and somebody that I think projects to be at worst a really good role player for this yeah. team. And and I don't think those guys are guys you should be eager to move off of. If somebody comes with a Godfather offer, obviously nobody's untouchable right now, but. I think KJ should be as close to it as anybody else is. Yeah. You know, watching this team, I think the one thing that really hurts the watchability of this team is the lack of a natural point guard. And I think there are some guys that could be available out there just to take on his dumps to maybe even get a pick. Yep. Um, one guy that I was thinking about was Devontae Graham. That would be nice, yeah. Graham and a pick for Eric Gordon as much as New Orleans hates Eric Gordon. I'm sure if he was back on the team and healthy now, it would not be a boo situation or it'd no. be a playful fun boo situation, you know? And I but, mean, they're not too far off from being a title contender. Not even, not, I mean, they're incredibly close, I yeah. would say. Uh, they probably honestly just need the experience of taking a lump in the playoffs at this point. Uh, this squad, I think, needs to have that one heartbreaking loss that always inspires them to scab over that scar tissue and come back stronger next year like one of those kind of situations i think is all new orleans is is short i mean they gave phoenix a hell of a series last year they did yeah without zion yep who's playing like a fucking mvp um who i was totally wrong about by the way i i was always very hesitant on the zion hype train i don't know why i just didn't see it as much as i thought and and man i was wrong man i was wrong he's every bit as advertised but back to the Rockets, I just, I really like to see someone come in that can rid us of Dacian Nick's minutes. Um, <laughs> God and I'd like to see Eric Gordon end up, if he's going somewhere, end up somewhere good for him and where he can actually 100% compete 
for a title and make a difference on a team that's competing for a title. I mean, those are my only two real desires. Um, no, I no Pat Bev reunion? Uh, a lot of talk about Pat Bev as kind of like a way to sneak one of those picks from the, the Lakers. Uh, I. But what be, would you give up? I think it'd be a Gordon for Bev in a first, maybe? or I, I don't know. Like, oh, Man, I guess maybe if, if they put protections on one of those picks. Yeah. That's tough. That is tough. But I just... I, I wouldn't be opposed. I think that this team in their lackadaisical nature, um, especially with Silas being kind of an easygoing dude, uh, they could use some kind of hard-ass energy on this team um, beyond what John Lucas provides. Even a fake hard-ass. Like Even a know. fake hard-ass like Pat Bev. And Houston was, he was pretty lovable when he was still in Houston, I feel like. Aside from OKC fans, I understand you guys having a little bit of frustration with Pat Bev after what he did to Russ, but... <laughs> There's a, he was he was honestly like kind of plucky and lovable. He he hadn't become this. I don't know. I guess he's obsessed with being in the media and being seen with his pluckiness now, and that's kind of a little bit annoying with Pat Bev. But I still think he can bring that fire. I think he changed the culture in Minnesota quite significantly just a short time, and I think they're missing him this year um, in terms of that that aspect. So. Anybody like that who wouldn't command a huge amount of minutes but would still impact the way the team goes about their day-to-day, that's someone I would mm. take for sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. But Pat Bev, maybe not specifically, just because he carries a lot of baggage now. I think he could elevate those guys around him mm-hmm. with his presence. And part of the reason his time in Houston ended the first, way, or first time around was uh, he basically went went nuclear on James and his effort about mm-hmm. defense and the big and, locker room blow up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that him being the veteran force on the team, any kind of situations like that, where he's calling others out would be taken better than it would from none of them are superstars. They're all kids, you know? And if yeah. Pat Bev's yelling at you about your defense and you're a kid, it doesn't matter if you're Jalen green you'll probably listen to Pat Bev to an extent and be like, well, fuck, I got to work on my defense a little bit so this old guy quits yelling at me. <laughs> and and I don't know. It just seems like it, it, it could only help. But I, I don't think that's fully going to happen. I don't know. I still think it's going to be Dario Saric and some kind of first or second round pick from from a three-team deal with Pat Be- or with uh, Eric Gordon ended up in Phoenix and Jay Crowder ended up somewhere else. It's probably the deal that happens. Yeah, I mean, transactionally, I think the biggest thing that has to happen with this team is they've got to figure out the coaching situation. Yes. Whether it's Silas turning it around or them finding his replacement, that's what has to happen. I legitimately have over the last, honestly, weirdly enough, since since his father passed and the RIP Paul Silas, we, we didn't get to acknowledge that on a pod yet either. That's just a tragedy. I mean, you know, he had a long, full life. Don't get me wrong, but... It's still just a bummer for anybody losing their pops, man. That's sad. Like that's a that's a sad situation. But I just feel like that he was away for only one game. That game they seemed really galvanized and like they were really playing for coach. Um, mm. He came back. Everybody had a bunch of heartfelt comments and and loved that he was back and back so soon and cared about them enough to be back so soon. And I just think there's a kind of a new groundswell for me of togetherness with this team i guess and i I hate to say that a tragic situation might have inspired that but i think it might have galvanized things to to an extent and i think a lot of people on the team and within the team 
don't see Steven Silas the same way that we do on Twitter. Um, and, and I think that there's been a new, a new kind of groundswell for support for keeping him around from, from the internal standpoint, at least. And I'd be all about that as I have seen some positive changes and, and overall togetherness and cohesiveness and energy that the team has, has taken a big upswing over the last week or so. So yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm there, I'm there. I'm, I'm here to give Silas at least this year. And if we land that great big fish top pick guy, a part of next year to have something going, I, I, I'm totally patient with that because this team needs to suck ass this year to get the good pick anyways. <laughs> the passing of his father aside, he is a guy that you would like to see succeed. He Absolutely. Like Absolutely. I do think the clock is ticking now. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is. And the, the, the ownership as it is, Tillman Fertitta is not a historically patient man, and he's not a historically, you know, 100%. He, he's a results-driven guy. That's the best way I can put it there. Like, And if you're going to continue putting this product out there, then he's going to eventually run out of patience for it, especially if a big name comes along the way that would be interested in the job and, and, and a shiny new object appears in the, in the eye line and all of a sudden he can see. I, I just feel like, yes, the clock is definitely ticking, but I think it's ticking a lot slower than, than a lot of the fire hashtag fire Silas guys on Twitter <laughs> are, are, are uh, hoping for. I'm just saying, man, you don't build an empire of fast, casual chain restaurants <laughs> by wasting time on jabronis. You're right. You're absolutely right. But I think if they had been con- the- Silas being a jabroni, though to the extent that Twitter thinks he is, would have been sniffed out by this front office by now. Like, I think there's just a lot more to it than this guy. I, I don't know. Like, I- there's been a lot of really crazy, questionable ass decisions, but I don't necessarily think that all of this is Silas is doing per se. And I it's also, so hard to say it is, but there's just not a lot of evidence that he's a good coach. There's yeah. not enough. Yeah. Not so far. Yeah. I don't know that there's anything better. I don't know. And, and this roster is insanely bad. Like, it's like really like a lot of, I think a lot of us are putting the cart before the horse with these players and seeing how great they could be potentially and saying this team has a lot of talent on it, man. You should be getting more out of it. But none of them are that talented yet. Like a lot of them are just kind of kids making dumb decisions <laughs> and, and and thinking that they're there, but they're not yet. And putting their effort in the wrong spots. And a lot of that's on the coaching staff. They need to get get these kids focused on the right things. But I mean, it, it, it kind of seems like an impossible task of like herding cats running this roster anyway. And I'd see why he <laughs> would want to lean on some guys who are actually experienced because they go out there and they try to at least play basketball. <laughs> it's just it's like you put out all these kids and watching KPJ and Jalen, it's like, why don't we have an offensive scheme? And I was like, well, eight times out of 10, we don't have an offensive scheme because those guys dribble it up and take a stupid fucking shot. Like a lot of it is what they're doing on the court, not necessarily what they're being told to do on the court. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's a lot of layers. And I think a, a bit more veteran presence would be really nice on this team. For sure. For and sure. Something to help the coaching staff out. Yeah. Cause yeah, this is just, it, it's, it's so, 
multi-layered, the problems. And, and I agree, I, there needs to be a lot more shown from the coaching staff that they're a real coaching staff when this team is a real team. But, man, it's just, it's a tough ask when you've got such free-spirited 19- and 20-year-olds out there trying to run an offense. <laughs> things, things go wrong. And I, I think the point there is that this process just isn't as far along as we think it is. Yes. Well Which put. is unfortunate, but hey, this year, you know, you're going to probably get a top six pick and a really good draft. Yep. You're going to find a guy who can contribute, who might end up being the best player on the team, depending on who you get. You're absolutely right. Uh, the way that Jalen has, he took that crazy astronomical spike at the end of last season. Since then, I feel it's been a basic plateau from that point. I haven't seen a whole lot of upward ticks from him this year yet yeah. watching him it's still so, about the tools yes it's the, the finishing getting to the rim the elevation mm -hmm. he's getting fouled at a much higher yeah. rate this year which is awesome um i love to see that uh i would love to see him be the primary creator as much as they let kpj be the primary creator like i just love for those two roles to flip i think that would be wonderful but mm -hmm. uh, they're really married to this kpj a point guard idea and they are going to die on that hill apparently it drives me fucking nuts, but who knows? Maybe it's a tank strategy. Maybe it's a just instill as much faith and confidence in a player who needs that um, before you move him and demote him or whatever, but it's just... I, don't I, I think the thing for me with Silas is there's not enough tinkering. Just just play with things. Like, you don't have anything to lose right now. Yep. Try some other shit out. Yes. You know, and it's that not enough of that's happening. I agree. Yeah, it seems to be the same strategy every game. And there are so many toys in the toy box that you could play around with. And, and yeah, this is your time, dude. You're going to do G.I. Joe's versus Spider-Man, man. You can have <laughs> Hulk Hogan fighting He-Man. You know, like, you can do all these cool things with your toys, bro. Like, you know have that's fun, like, a leg drop, yeah. one, two, three, baby. <laughs> of, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Hogan can't do the job for He-Man. No, Hogan would never job for He-Man. He couldn't even do the job for Ric Flair. Nope. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, Mr. Perfect was supposed to win the Rumble and win the title, and Hogan backstage said, not him, brother. Nope, yeah. not him, brother. Not, not going to work for me, nope, brother. Nope, not going to work for me, brother. And it's like, wow, that's maybe the greatest heel that ever lived. Kurt Hennig. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the Rockets... It, they end up trading Eric Gordon. It's going to be for something middling. It's not going to be the great two, two first round pick return that everybody dreamed about last season. I think it'll be Sarich in a second or something, but I, I still think as long as EG ends up somewhere where he's happy and can contribute and we open up those minutes for some younger guys, I'm happy. All right. So the other name that's standing out to me on our, um, what do we call it? Agenda. Jay Sean Tate. <sighs> I see so many people wanting to trade him because he's old, quote-unquote. Doesn't 28? fit the profile. Yeah, he's a 28. He's yeah. like a third-year NBA player at this point. I just... To me, keeping Tate has way more benefit than it would trading him for something that other teams would see as equal value. I don't know, man. I, I'm 28, and I do feel like my youth is over. I get diarrhea almost every day. <laughs> Jay Sean Tate doesn't. I don't know. Does he's he? a good question. He might now that he's injured, he might be eating a little worse. Um, but he, I just feel like, relative to the other team, it doesn't matter 
if there's a role player or two that's older than the core. It's not like he's your third star in any world. No. So who fucking cares if he's a couple years older than these other kids? If he's good no. and a good fit for the team and impacts them positively and the culture positively, then it's going to take a lot for me to want to let loose of a player like that. On I a guess. contender, he's the best seventh man in the league. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think that... If the goal is to make this a contender in any short amount of time, you're going to need a Jay Sean Tate on the team. And you've got him on a really team-friendly contract. He's impacting the culture positively in the meantime. What's the rush? Yeah, there uh, is no rush. Yeah. There shouldn't be any rush. I, I, if somebody comes out of the woodwork and they're like, fuck, we need Jay Sean Tate, I could see Miami being a team that would be savvy enough to be like, Jay Sean Tate is a guy that's really our culture, our style. But... I'm yeah, not... Him and Jimmy Butler together on the same team oh, would be man. intense. It really would. It'd yeah. be really fun. The Grizzlies would be another really nice spot for a Jay Sean Tate. He's a Grizzly. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Grizzly type of guy. Um, but, but those teams have to come out and have an offer, and I don't think you just dangle Jay Sean Tate and take what's available because you think he's a couple years older than the rest of the core. Like, in two years, you get to move off of his deal anyways. And No, man, dangling and take, taking what's available is what I do. At the bar. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> There's no trade finder on 2K where you get to just say, what will you offer me for this player? Um, and I, I don't know. Jay Sean Tate, if he could net something exceptional or something that just seems like, whoa, you're willing to pay that for Jay Sean? Okay, sure. Then yes, I'm willing to talk. Obviously, he's not off the table, but I just think it, this urgency to move him off the team is kind of silly, even if he does take a, a good chunk of minutes when he's healthy. He's And that's fine. Yes, he's a good player. He's better than pretty much, at this point, he's better than anyone else that will get those minutes. Yes, I pretty mean. much. Except Tari Eason. Yeah. The greatest player of all time, Tari Eason. I'm just kidding. We're just in, Tari is just incredibly fun to watch. He's like the only parts of the game that are really enjoyable. So I think that uh, I, I'm good to wrap up there. The Rockets, I don't think, have a whole lot of urgency to move this off season or this trade season, which is kind of a nice change from recent years. Um, it'd be cool to fucking get rid of Garrison Matthews and, and Eric Gordon as far as the minutes log jam. I think that'd be helpful. But if not it's fine. Like this is a, a team and a season that is not supposed to go well yeah. other than getting to see flashes of what these players are going to be capable of when things are going well. So uh, it's just everybody chill. It's going to be all right. The there's, team's going <laughs> to suck. The rotations are going to suck. There's an end in sight. I promise. There's only one guarantee. And that is that no matter what happens, Rockets Twitter will be unnecessarily dramatic about it. And really vile and angry. And, and just, just please, guys, calm down. Please calm down for a little while. Like, this is Go a to process. fucking therapy, guys. It's yes. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Go to therapy. <coughs> oh, man. The amount of weird backhanded, like, RIP, sorry, your dad died posts that were also like, I don't really like his coaching, but, you know, it still sucks your dad died. And I'm just like, you don't need to mention that first part. You don't need you don't need to say anything if you're just going to shit on him anyways. <laughs> but really don't need to mention the part about how he sucks as a coach, but damn, it really sucks his dad died. It's like, dude, just just stop. Just please stop. Like, be a human being for two <laughs> fucking seconds. Imagine if you went to work and someone was like, 
I don't like the way you drive a fucking forklift, but yeah. sorry about your dad. Yes, like, come on, man. <laughs> Who like, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there's my soapbox. Uh, you know, I'm going to be as patient as it takes with Steven Silas just because this really doesn't matter right now. Um, we don't know that these players aren't developing. Like That's an absolutely asinine leap to make. They practice every fucking day, and everybody fucking practices. So it's just pump the brakes. Guys, are gonna, we're going to be okay. Moral of the story, we should package up all these young guys who might not be anything for some vets who we know can play. Get us some of the play-in, man. Yeah, let's get let's a play-in. Let's get DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good segue. We are going to... Are the Bulls going to fucking blow it up if we move on to the rest of the league? Like, I want them to blow it up, but not too much. Because I think that 2025 pick that we have of theirs, the Spurs, Ooh. pronouns, pal, um, <laughs> is top 10 protected. So I want them Ooh. to maybe just stay the course. That's, that's fair. That's yeah. fair as a Spurs fan. Um, Give us a 12th pick. I just think they're going to do some minor tinkering. They're going to find some dumbass team to take Vooch. I mean, do y'all want Jakob Pertl just to, like, hold on to the rope just a little bit longer? <laughs> We've just got to get to 2025, guys. Jakob Pertl on the, on the Bulls would actually be helpful. Yeah. yeah. Being a smaller... Maybe you want less Vooch, though. Yeah. I feel like Vooch is, is going out no matter what. I think they're going to ship Vooch in any kind of deal they make. Even if it's like Lakers, because the Lakers getting DeRozan would be what they want to to get what I want to. You'd have to take Vooch as well. Maybe. I don't know, man. Vooch, he has a top three, top five nickname in the NBA, Voochie Main. Yeah. I think solid. right now the finisher for Laurie Markkinen's my favorite. That's brilliant, man. Yeah. I love that one. Finish Dirk. Uh, man, there's some good ones. The old, uh, I just always, I've always felt that they really missed the boat with Rudy Gobert when they, they were picking between the Stifle Tower and the French Rejection. I just think the French Rejection is too damn good. Yeah. <laughs> There's some solid nicknames. No one will ever top Skip to My Lou, in my opinion, though, man. Rafer Alston, Skip to My Lou, man. That's just fucking hilarious. But. He Hate Me. That was a great He nickname. Hate Me was awesome, too. Yeah. Damn, that was good. <laughs> Iso Joe. There's just been some really savvy, fun nicknames given to players. Uh, uh, what else What else we got, man? Let's hit some, some other rest of the league stuff. We'll close out with a plea to get MJF to a real wrestling <laughs> promotion instead of this shitty spot fest that he's on. <laughs> okay, with a really cool belt. They got a cool belt, though. They do. They do. <laughs> Is it the... The Triple B now, how they call yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so I guess, who's going to win this year's annual Sacramento Kings? We pushed that our chips and it backfired. Ooh. Award. Man, that's tough. Is it weird that part of me is thinking Memphis? I don't know why. I just feel like Memphis is going to rush this and say, we're the number one seed. Let's go, baby and push all their chips in and they end up trading someone that they think is inconsequential but was a really key part to keeping this whole thing gelled or something. And it just always feels like the, the personality in the locker room side of it is underthought when they make these kinds of trades. Well, I'm guessing Jaw, Bane, Triple J are untouchable, Untouchable, right? yeah. So everything else is on the table as long as you're getting an 
unambiguous upgrade. Yes. So we're talking KD, Anthony Davis, some Paul George maybe. Yeah, Paul George, the Clippers. That would be a fun, weird. Yeah. For me, I think I'm gonna go to Chicago. I think yeah. they're I think they're just gonna double down. Yeah. I think they're gonna do. double down. They always do. They're gonna throw in some more chips. Uh, hopefully, they throw some of the Spurs way, and um, I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll edge their way into the play-in. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Chicago's. Thank God Michael Jordan played there. Yeah. Oh my uh, God. Yes. Because that whole franchise would be a joke without that man. They've done nothing but shit the bed, other than drafting Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. That's so funny to think about. And they could have kept the band together yeah. a little bit longer, and yeah. they just... Just didn't. Because, fuck it. I don't, Jerry Reinsdorf. Man. So, our next award. Most shocking player to be traded this season. I'm going SGA. Man, that would be shocking for a young team trying to find their cornerstone piece. But to trade the cornerstone piece. To trade piece. the cornerstone piece, but that is so Sam Presti because mm. it's not the right cornerstone piece. This isn't the one I wanted. SGA is so good. I think he might, now, now that I'm really thinking about it, he might be too good. Yeah. But if they really think that this year is their chance to finish the rebuild and get Wemby or Scoot, yep. maybe you do. I mean, they just they don't need any more draft picks. No, they really don't. They can't really do anything with any more draft picks other than trade them. So. Nope. But they need that. But they need one more. In their mind, they need that one more. Um, and who are you going to get that's better than SGA? What are the odds that anyone you draft in the future is better than SGA? They're not good. They're not good at this point. SGA's top ten, top fifteen player in the league this year. Now yeah. uh, he's absolutely phenomenal this season. But this will just be something shocking. Yes. This will be shocking. Yes. We're not necessarily like saying this will happen. Um, but I, I do think that that is right up Sam Presti's alley, uh, trading SGA for a big fucking, a haul of like 2033 draft picks from a bunch of fucking teams or some weird shit like that. Job security, baby. Yep. You're right. You can't <laughs> fire me. We're still rebuilding. Yeah. Man. What are you talking about? No. We haven't even, none of these picks have even conveyed, man. Well, Come on. These picks. Like, yeah. like, I got Josh Giddy. He's, yeah. Um, there. He's Australian. Yep. He's white. Yeah, and people he's... really like him. Yeah. <laughs> NBA media dollar darling for some reason. I wonder what it could be. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what it could be. Same. Oh. <laughs> I think mine is probably slightly less shocking because I think he's been on the radar since things have gone a little south there. Uh, but I think Carl Anthony Towns gets moved sooner rather than later. Carlito. Carlito. He spits in the face of people who don't want to be cool. Yeah. Oh, man. I this is a see. badass gimmick. They should have done more with Carlito. They really should have. I think you're right. He was he was IC champ for a little while, right? Yeah. Spitting the apple with the cool afro. Man, he was a cool wrestler, actually. Carlito of, was fun. Son of Carlos Colon. Yeah. Man, what a shame. They did him dirty. Did they he have did. a drug problem? Might have been anything. Might have been. He's not anywhere no anymore, he was you know? fucking like, literally every woman on the roster oh yeah. god damn it. <laughs> he had that's so awesome oh my god that's of course of course <laughs> that's the quickest way to get fired for vince mcmahon promotion that's for sure those are mine pal. yeah you're dipping into his harem <laughs> <laughs> not spending all this money this corporate money yes for carlito yeah, come on brother yeah. oh man that's for johnny ace that's johnny aces <laughs> But yeah, I think I think that cat and the wolves foolishly 
doubling down on their Rudy Gobert trade, I think is a just that that is the writings on the wall for me that that's going to happen eventually. I feel like, and yeah. I think this season would be the the sell high time as far as Carl Anthony Towns goes. But maybe, man, that'd be kind of silly. Maybe we should switch to a wrestling podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just rebrand everything. We'll just turn into wrestling. We'll do back fucking basketball for like ten minutes, and then just talk wrestling for the rest of the time. Oh man, get MJF onto a real promotion. God, Tony Khan is just oh, man. AEW is just such a. I, there are no words. There are no words. It could have been so cool. Yep. And they are starting to poach uh, production assistants and things from WWE, so maybe the TV product gets a little bit nicer. But none of but that matters when you're like bringing in random guys from New Japan Pro Wrestling and not even introducing them to the crowd. Yeah. Like, how are we supposed to know who the fuck this guy is? Yes. The, the whole way that they, they introduce everybody as if everybody in the audience is some internet nerd who yeah. knows every wrestler on earth and is going to be excited about this new guy who moved in from and some obscure they promo. bring them yeah. in and immediately beat them. Yes. For fucking, well, what was the point of yep. even spending that money if you're just going to kill them immediately? Yep. It drives me nuts, man. It drives me fucking nuts. Like, you can say what you want about CM Punk, but I think he was right this time. Maybe. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Because he... The, the I don't know. The way they have... You can't have the Young Bucks having Hogan Nash creative... Coach, you know what I mean? The whole Ugh. thing is just... Doesn't seem set up right to me. I, and like, I think Cody Rhodes and Brandy were pretty smart to get out of it when they did. Has anyone really watched Young Bucks match? It's terrible wrestling. I'm not a fan. It's, I, they do some cool spots, but that's all it is. It's all spots, and it's all like like clear collaboration with their opponent. Yes, just standing there waiting to get jumped on. Like I hate that yeah. shit, man. Or I'm going to throw a punch two feet above your head, yes. and you're going to duck it and do a spin and a loopy-loop, and then we're going to dance. And yes. It's, it sucks, man. It does. I'm not a huge uh, Young Bucks supporter, i got to be honest. They're Fun. Christian AF, though. It's they are. Yeah. So it's another another strike against <laughs> you boys. Sorry. <laughs> but that being said, uh, AEW, they're you know what? Here's a good parallel. They're a lot like the Mavs right now. They got a fucking top tier talent and nothing Ooh. around his ass. That's for sure. They got MJF, who might be the best, most entertaining wrestler in the entire world right now. In a long, long time. Yes. And they are just dwindling and dicking away his his reign with with a lack of the supporting cast yeah. man Ugh. sorry Mavs fans we had to dig that knife in one more time yeah double sorry David who is a bit more of an AEW lover than we are <laughs> this is gonna roast your your favorite wrestling and and your favorite basketball team <laughs> I would love to see AEW put on a great television program I would love to have an alternative to WWE, but it's just not. It's not good. It's not. It's had its moments. There have been moments where it was, and it showed it could be. And the the selling point was this is wrestling. This is a real wrestling. And the wrestling's bad. Yeah. So what? What is? There's no storytelling. Nope. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely nuts. I feel like it didn't start out this way either. Like yeah. it was really promising when it first started out. It was yeah. fun. There was interesting shit. Like Cody Rhodes was more or less running things I feel like back then 
he had the whole Triple H beef where he broke the throne with the sledgehammer. It was fucking awesome. And, and I, I don't want to be a body guy, but there are so many small guys in AEW. Half of their matches look like fucking child abuse. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't want to watch that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man, there it is. There it is. That's the note. We gotta we gotta wrap up on the child abuse wrestling note. That's too good. That's too good to pass on. Um, thank you guys for listening. As always, we love you. Uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, we're gonna try to make this more of a regular thing again because you know we let it get away from us. Now we're now we're back, baby. So we'll see you guys soon, or you'll hear from us soon. 